Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Thank you for listening to this Billy Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we'd go belly up, so we made it our name, and we're still here. Coming up on the Behind the Mic Podcast, in his life and career, Burt Bell not only played the game in college, coached the game, and was the second commissioner in NFL history, he gave us the NFL draft. Why is that so special? You're behind the mic with Michael Neal Jr., I'm ready. Plenty of papers. We're ready. We're ready. We're ready. Look, NFL historians and lovers of sports history, welcome in. This show is for you, not for those who already know this stuff. I already know that already. Tell me something I don't understand that. You can kick rocks with no shoes. Go about your business. Anyway, this show is for those who don't know as much about NFL history. And what am I here for? I'm here to enlighten, teach, as well as learn. It is the Behind the Mic Podcast. I am your host, Michael Neal Jr. This show is presented by Belly Up Sports and the Belly Up Sports Podcast Network. BellyUpSports.com is where you go. Click on it, read the articles, and even listen to the other shows, especially mine. And you can catch those shows. Our home base is on Spreaker. That's S-P-R-E-A-K-E-R. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, YouTube, and more. That is where you'll find us. Now, you won't find my show on YouTube yet. I've yet to get there. I'll, I'll get there. I'm going to stop making excuses. One day. <laughs> One day. All right, so uh, this is going to be way shorter than last week. I know we went well over an hour. And, I mean, it was a packed show. And as a matter of fact, as we finished our series on the AAFC or the All-America Football Conference, um, one of the many problems that that league had, if you didn't listen to any of those shows, was that it was top-heavy. The AAFC, it was very, very top-heavy. The eight teams that came through there, um, it was really all about the Cleveland Browns, the San Francisco 49ers, and for the most part, the New York Yankees, who went to the first two, that was the football New York Yankees, okay? Yes, owned by the same guy who owned the Yankees at the time. But uh, they were... The, the team that went to the first two AAFC team uh, championship games against the Cleveland Browns. Those three teams, they were the ones that were, that made up the league. Um, they were the top three teams. Everybody else, you know, they continued to change coaches and ownership. And it was really bad for Chicago, the Chicago Rockets. And at the end, they were the Chicago Hornets. It was really bad for them because the originator, Arch Ward, a Chicagoan, who pretty much had it was his brainchild and you know the the ownership in Chicago they wanted that team to be the crown jewel they changed ownership four times that's bad you keep changing coaches and ownership probably means you're not very good and that's exactly what it was that was one of the many things that led to the league's demise now the same could have been said 
of the NFL some, what, 12, 13 years earlier. So, in the beginning, when it came down to the NFL, it, what, started in 1920, right? Well, in the beginning, it was all about free agency. The best players went to the best teams. There, there was no fight over the players like it was between the AAFC and the NFL but it was more so, was it a fight between teams in the NFL? Yeah, kind of. But college football was king, and they just chose not to play pro football. He was either, okay, either I take the money or I don't. It was free agency, and it wasn't a must that they played because the NFL really wasn't paying the, the creme de the creme money. Just get your mind out of what's going on now. They were not paying like that yet. So this is the 1920s, 30s, and even in the 40s, it was just now getting to, uh, I guess, to a place where you can make that your livelihood, but not yet. So even with the NFL and those great teams, most of those better teams were uh, filled with the best college players who did choose to actually play professional football. And even that league became top-heavy. And that's the problem. You can't do that. The Bears and the Giants were consistently in the championship game along with Washington. There was no parity. Uh, nobody else really had a whole lot of chances. Why? Like I said, the best college stars, they wanted to flock to the best of the best. And that was because they were paying the most. They made the most money. And so they were going to go to the teams that were going to actually pay. It was much like, you know, today's high school athletes, the four and five-star athletes that go to Alabama, Clemson, and Ohio State, and so forth. Of course, last week and the weeks before that, I did kind of paint the NFL sort of a like a bad guy. Um, they weren't really a bad guy. I just had to rethink it, which I, I knew this, but at the same time, there were things, again, I'm learning as I'm going. I read, read an entire book throughout this series the book, The League That Didn't Exist by Gary Webster. A uh, very good book. And, of course, he's going in it. He's a Cleveland Browns fan, something else I forgot to mention. But he did paint the NFL as a bully. But there's another way to really look at it. Um, I spent a lot of time bashing the NFL a little bit and saying you probably should have been ashamed of yourselves because they weren't welcoming to the AAFC or any other league for that matter. Remember, the AAFC, the All-America Conference, that was the sixth chance of an upstart league trying to come up to challenge the NFL. It lasted only four years, two years longer than the other ones that did. And the previous two in 1944-45 didn't even sign a player, let alone play a game. Um, but the NFL, they did everything to ignore the AAFC. Until they couldn't. Why? Because bidding on players was driving owners in both leagues just bananas uh, because it was money being spent, especially on players that were no good. And then even if they were good, they were having to pay astronomical amounts of money for that time in order to sign these guys. It got too expensive. So but you have to think of it like this. Commissioner Bell and the owners, they were protecting their investment, the NFL. The National Football League, at the time, they were the league for professional football. There was no, everything else was either non-existent or a distant second. It, like I said, the other leagues, the first three, didn't last past two years. And even in their first or second years, they were canceling games left and right because they weren't even able to pay their players, let alone continue to, to play certain games. They had to cancel games 
it, it was bad. You had to pay for travel. You had to that there was a, a written agreement, a contract that you had to fulfill. And some of those owners, they couldn't even fulfill it. They had to give the gate to the players. And they couldn't even give the players all of the money that they owed them because nobody was coming to the games. They were not coming to the games. Um, they didn't want to share with anybody else. The NFL shouldn't have wanted to share with anybody else. The way that I was looking at was simply this. Look at the NFL today. Again, take your mind, Mike, and other people. I had to take my mind out of the NFL today because it's made up of 32 teams now, right? And there's no other sport right now that's this big in the world except for soccer. Soccer is worldwide, okay? My thing was, wouldn't you want it to be bigger? Wouldn't you want to expand? No, that was not what they wanted to do. The NFL was only made up of a few teams, and no one was as interested in the NFL at that time, not even in the 40s, as much as college football. Now, quiet is kept. The NFL, if you don't already know, didn't really get its popularity until the 1958 NFL championship that was televised. It went to the very first sudden death overtime that season. And the Baltimore Colts beat the New York Giants in that game. It was a great game. They went uh, tied up at 17 at the end, and, you know, the Colts won it. And it was on TV, and it really kicked off the NFL's popularity. And going into the 60s, even with their battle with the AFL, the, the third incarnation of the – no, excuse me, the fourth incarnation of the uh, American Football League. Let's just call it the AFL of the 60s. They had television contracts for both leagues, and that's what got, along with, and I'll always say this, the fact that the AFL was more pleasing to the eye to watch than a guy running the football, slamming into the line 40 times. I'd rather watch passing. The AFL resembled a little bit more what you watch now, unless you just like three yards in a cloud of dust. <coughs> you know? Yeah, dust. So, um, but there was no other sport. It didn't get famous until much later right and people were more interested in college football they were more interested in college football and of course major league baseball those were the two sports what did that mean there isn't a demand for something right so there's less of it and when there's less of it you can get more of the revenue and you have more revenue or there's more revenue for those teams right also you get most of the talent that actually wants to play pro football out of out of college. They did not want to share with the AFC or anybody. They didn't want to have to share college stars. They didn't want to have to share fans. They didn't they definitely didn't want to share revenue. So uh, and they didn't want to share uh, they, they did not want to share, okay? They had to be selfish in order to sustain and live. Um, and as you watched the demise of the All-American Football Conference in 1949, which was their last year, of course, the commissioner at the time was Burt Bell, whose first year was in 1946, the first year of the AAFC. Part of the reason the new league was able to survive was because of the bidding war for players. There were essentially free agents who had both the NFL and the AAFC seeking their services. Hey, I'll pay you this. Well, I'll pay you that. And maybe I'll pay you this and say like the New York Yankees, for instance, Dan Topping, who was the owner of the New York franchise, he could offer a player both baseball and football. He lost out on one guy, maybe more than that, that wanted to play both sports because the Bidwells for the Cardinals, the Chicago Cardinals, said, you know what, we can't offer both, but we'll still pay you uh, for football. And he went for the bigger contract. That stuff happened. And the, the, the 
the the price just kept driven being driven up and up and up and it just was ridiculous and so like i said you had these free agents that were going back and forth between these leagues some chose the nfl some chose the aafc it's what it was this was taking the nfl backwards because they had what was called a draft april is upon us and the draft is in what another week or so so the question has to be how do teams evaluate players yeah you know before the nfl combine all that but furthermore how did the nfl draft actually come to be if you don't know you will not have an excuse after this show mary redeemed a fifty thousand dollar cash prize playing chumba casino this year i was only playing for fun so winning this was a dream come true chumba casino is america's number one social casino experience it's serious fun with over 80 casino style games to choose from you too could win life-changing amounts of cash be like mary log on to chumbacasino.com and give them a whirl that's chumbacasino.com no purchase necessary void or prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply see website for details the voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner again the nfl became official in 1920 um and around that exact same year in 1920 the commissioner of the nfl from 1946 to 1959 Burt Bell, he was a volunteer coach at his alma mater, which was the University of Pennsylvania from 1920 to 1928, where he also had played quarterback uh, up until he had to leave for World War One, And I think he entered the, the college in 1915. Now, if you go all the way back to, well, just fast forward to 1933. His college teammate, Lud Ray, uh, was a owner. He had bought the NFL's Frankfurt Yellow Jackets for what $2,500 and so Bell ended up getting a little cash loan from his fiance his fiance as my brother would like to call uh, who he would marry I think the next year in 1934 got a little cash advance even though he came from money um, she came from I guess maybe she had more money anybody seen the movie The Fugitive talking about the one with Harrison Ford she was more rich yeah she was more rich and uh she was wealthy she came from a family of wealth and so he had to get a little bit of a loan because i think because of the depression uh she had a little bit more resources than he did at the time so he got some money from an old lady and he actually went in half and was the co-owner of the frankfurt yellow jackets who they changed the name to the philadelphia eagles in 1936 he had become the sole owner and he ended up being the head coach taking over for his teammate who had coached the Eagles for three years and they were terrible. Um, but with all of that, he was actually the head coach for the Eagles from 1936 to 1941 and they were still bad. In 58 career games, Burt Bell, who, I mean, the guy, he was, uh, what I read about the man, he was bad at academics. Um, but you know, he had other, uh, I guess he had other strengths, uh, even as a businessman. And eventually this took him to being a, he wanted to be a football guy. And I believe his father actually played football. And even as a young child, remember guys were not in their twenties 
uh, or earth, nine, you know, 17, 18, 19, you know, when they first went into college as freshmen, they were well into their 20s, some of them. And I read that while he was a child, he did attend some games as a young kid. Um, he wanted to be a lifetime football guy, and that's exactly what he was. Well, other him, other than him being a head coach, uh, which, like I said, they were bad. They were really, really bad. In 58 career games, they were 10-46 and 2. That included in 1941 when there was a little cash flow issue uh, and the Philadelphia Eagles and the Pittsburgh Steelers had to merge and I think it had something to do with the war as well but in 1941 they were the Steagles but in 1935 just go back to the year before the Eagles were two in line uh, two and nine excuse me and this included a five game losing streak towards the end of the season and a season in which they had four games where they scored zero points zero points their final game was against the green bay packers it was a 13 to 6 loss and i want you to picture in your mind and you probably for some fans it could be a little bit easier than others to picture yourself as a fan or maybe even if you're the coach on the coaching staff imagine your team you're terrible and the team you played against is really good all right let's just say you you know, you're playing against the Kansas City Chiefs. You got on one side, uh, your team, you're the Jacksonville Jaguars. Yeah, you picked Trevor Lawrence with the first pick, and he's been <laughs> all season long, and his offensive line stinks, and there's not a lot of bright spots. Um, but on the other side, you've got, you just lost, what, 49 to 10, and the, and the, the 10 points came in the fourth quarter. Kansas City has Patrick Mahomes. We're talking about last year's team now. <laughs> Patrick Mahomes, Tyreek Hill, and Trevor, uh, Travis Kelsey, Chris Jones, Frank Clark, Tyron Matthew on defense. I mean, th this is the way Burt Bell was looking at things as an owner. Even if you're an owner, he's looking at this as a, a head coach as well as an. Uh, uh, he was an owner at the time. It's like, look, I'm so tired of losing to these guys, losing to all these good teams because they have all the good players. The Packers were another one of those teams that were in line to actually be pretty good. And at the time, you may not know any of these names. Maybe you know one of them. But Green Bay had stars in 1935, such as Don Hudson, who's in the Hall of Fame. He had an all-pro like Clark Hinkle, Ernie Herber, and Johnny Blood. Hall of Famers, right? Um, the 1935 Philadelphia Eagles, they ranked dead last in offense, and they were next to last in defense. Bell was done like seriously done he didn't want to continue to lose these games anymore so for instance the Decatur Staleys you talk about these teams right they were so good the Decatur Staleys who ended up being the Chicago Bears in the first 13 seasons in uh the Chicago Bears they were in the championship game seven times the New York Giants entered the league in 1925 1925 they had been to the championship game three times all right so 1936 comes around um like i said may of 35 actually the year before he had proposed having a draft an inverse order draft where the worst teams get first deals on the best players and you draft the the worst team is going to have the first pick and then the the next worst and 
You know how you know how it goes, okay? Unless you're talking about trades and stuff, you know how it goes. That's what he wanted to do. That was his idea. In 1936, they finally agreed to this. Well, not everybody agreed. Not everybody agreed, of course. All right. So now, when, when uh, again, this when Bell, Burt Bell proposed the draft, the Giants had been to the championship game three times. Oh. And guess who was in the championship game in 1933 and 1934? It was the Bears and the Giants, back-to-back seasons. And there was the Washington football team. All right, they came in in 1932 as the Boston Braves. They changed their name to the R-Words or the Redskins. Uh, and in 1936, uh, they had their first winning season, and they had just lost the championship game to the Green Bay Packers. Well, back to my notes. The draft was proposed and they agreed to it. They said, okay, let's do it, you know, eventually. Uh, But before that, the Bears and the Giants, they didn't want to have that. You had the owners, George Hallis and Tim Mara. And I'm guessing George Preston Marshall. Should I throw his name in? I don't know that to be true. Maybe I won't. The obvious answer why they did not want to have the draft, I mean, they made the money. Why did they win? They, they won and they made money and they had players that were known, players that people wanted to see. One guy could draw thousands of players, right? Give you a great example. Go back to 1925. Red Grange, he was a known college star at the University of Illinois, signed that contract with the Bears one day after playing his final college game. And I believe his first professional game drew 70,000 people, unheard of in those days. And we're talking about 1925. Now, the NFL was only in its sixth year. If I remember correctly, the Bears played that weekend. I've told you this before, 17, uh, a barnstorming tour where they played 17 games on a weekend. And it's like, okay, we can draw this many people. Okay, you know, let's keep this thing on the road. That means when I have someone that that's from this sport that's way better than ours, okay, way better than ours and they know these guys so i'll bring him to my team people are going to show up and i'm going to have a gate see where the money comes from so anyway so ownership and and they all decide okay we'll do a draft reluctantly you had the hallises and the mirrors that said okay i guess we can do this thing i'll tell you one thing home cooking is great Sometimes it doesn't always work out the way you want it, but eventually it does. This holiday, whether you're making a Baker's Simple Truth Turkey for 40 or a Murray's Baked Brie for two, Baker's has fast, fresh delivery and free pickup so you can make holiday meals that bring you all together to create memories that last. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Free pickup on orders of $35 or more. Restrictions may apply. Choose from a great selection of digital coupons and use them up to five times in one transaction. Check our app for details. Bakers, fresh for everyone. The NFL was young. It was, what, barely, what, 15, 16 years in, 17 seasons in when they decided to do an NFL draft in 1936. And it was just, things were seemingly uh, falling in the right direction for the Philadelphia Eagles who had finished two and nine in 1935. Going into the 1936 season, Burt Bell says, hey, why don't we have a draft? And the worst team could pick first. 
guess who had the first pick? Yes, the Philadelphia Eagles. They were the worst team. And not only did the Philadelphia Eagles have the first pick, it was going to be held at the Ritz-Carlton that was owned by Burt Bell in his hometown of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. <laughs> that, I mean, how, how great does that get? You know, it doesn't get any better than that. Does it? Well, let me tell you about it. So, the draft was held in two days. Boy, that would... I don't know if that's a good thing or bad thing. Would that be a good thing or bad thing these days? Because it's like appointment television and appointment fandom, you know, to attend. Yeah, exactly. So February 8th and 9th, those were the two days of the first official NFL draft. And it was just done differently back then. Obviously, there was no Mel Kuypers, uh, you know, calling for Todd McShay. Todd, Todd, Todd. No, there was no arguing and you know evaluations and and there was no none of that stuff it was just names on a blackboard 90 eligible college players their names and where they were from they were put on a blackboard the eagles like i said they had the very first pick of the nfl draft who do you think they picked i mean you just pick the best player that's on the board right well the best player in the country that year was a back by the name of Jay Bernwanger out of the University of Chicago, just right next door, right? You know, just, just down the street, you know, from Pennsylvania, over in Illinois. University of Chicago back, Jay Bernwanger, he basically did everything for his squad. He was a Swiss Army knife. He, I don't even think the guy came off the field. He played offense, he was on defense, and then on defense, he would go back to, to return punts, and he won the very first Heisman Trophy. Okay, of course, at the time, it wasn't called the Heisman. It was called the Downtown Athletic Club Trophy, of course. You know why. It was held at the Downtown Athletic Club and uh, in New York. So, But the thing is with Jay Bernwanger, and if you've listened to one of my earliest episodes, we've already kind of told this story. Bernwanger never played in the NFL. He didn't want to play. He really didn't. His interests lied elsewhere. Tell you what they were and how it happened. Well, he did not play. His, he did not want to play for Philadelphia. And so his draft rights were traded away to the Chicago Bears. George Hallis said, ah, Bell can't do it. Let me see. Let's see what I can do. See what we cook up. Nothing. And nope, he's not doing this with you guys either. Part of the reason why was because, number one, he was turned out to be a decathlete, something I did not know. He actually wanted to be uh, participate in the 1936 Olympics. And so he wanted to maintain his amateur status. So he was trying to hold out on signing with a professional anything. But I don't think even, uh, from what I read, he didn't even do it. The, the Eagles, on the other hand, in that trade-off, those rights, they got cash and they got some players that they thought would help out. And there you go. Well, the decathlete decided to be a foam rubber salesman in the future and that's what he ended up being uh along with other things he wrote speeches for like what 100 150 a pop while players were getting played paid like what around 100 dollars a game or so it, it was kind of peanuts at the time he said he it worked out well for him financially this is what Birdwanger said in interviews um he, he wasn't hurting financially it actually worked out better for him to not play pro football and on top of that, he was a naval flight instructor uh, during the war. And he also became a Big Ten game official. I guess pretty cool. Now, 
he wasn't the only one to say no to the NFL. Out of the 90 eligible players that were on those on that chalkboard, I just call it, it had to be more than one chalkboard. I mean, they put 90 players on there at once? Maybe they did. I don't know. But out of 90, 81 of them were selected. But out of the 81 that were selected, only 24 actually went through and played. Um, this did something for the NFL. It lowered salaries. The draft lowered salaries. Nobody was competing for uh, the services of anybody. And the team that drafted you was the team that you negotiated with. Much like what happened with Jay Burwanger. I mean, the Bears said, all right, and we can't reach that price because he was trying to get more money out of the Bears and Hallis. And apparently the price was way too high. And, you know, he's, and the way that Burwanger describes it from what I read, he actually threw a number out there, kind of like, yeah, if you could pay me this, then that would be great. But he didn't want to play no more. He was done with football after college, apparently. So it wasn't so much like the AAFC would become uh, some years later. And they, they forced them back into that bidding thing, which they did not want to do. So the AAFC would draft a player, the NFL would draft a player, and then they were having to bid for their services. They didn't want to do that. So th at the time, this was the structure that they wanted. But it was more so uh, for things did not happen the way it happened in the AAFC. The AAFC, if you didn't listen to any show, there's one thing you should learn from that that the Cleveland Browns dominance in winning all four and, and even going undefeated in one of those seasons, winning all four, uh, mostly going away every season, finishing at the top of the league every single season, that was bad for the All-America Football Conference. Why? Because the All-America Football Conference really was built off of, like I said, about two or three teams and the Cleveland Browns, for instance, you talk about the gate and money and receipts and making the money and things like that. Every last one of those teams was losing money. They were bleeding money, hemorrhaging money. The Browns had the biggest stadium, I believe, outside of the, I believe, the Soldier Field, which the Bears or the Chicago Cardinals, they, neither one was playing on those fields. Told you, the Bears played at Wrigley, where the Cubs were, and then Comiskey, where the White Sox played, that's where the Chicago Cardinals played their football. And Soldier Field had a, held around 100. But they never filled it. They stunk. But Cleveland actually was filling their stadium with 80 and 70 and 60,000 people. Nobody else in the league was doing that. They were not drawing crowds like that. Go back to 1925. I told you when Red Grange showed up his first college game, 70,000 at the, I think it was at the Polo Grounds. I still can't, it's hard to fathom. But that was almost a regular thing. The dominance of the Cleveland Browns hurt the league and it even hurt the city saw it because people stopped coming at the end. There were only 20,000 like in the teens. By the end, even for a championship game, nobody was showing up. So that would have been bad for the league if if the NFL had continued with the Bears and with the, the, the Washington football team and especially the Giants, if they were the same three teams or the Packers, the same three or four teams in the championship every single year and nobody else had a chance, that would have been very bad for that league. It just going forward, period. Now, the draft, it was in inverse order, like I said, and it was nine rounds. It was nine rounds in inverse order, and they were only... Uh, these teams that were in it 
Uh, and this was the draft order in the first round. The Philadelphia Eagles, the Boston Redskins, excuse the term, the Pittsburgh Pirates, the Brooklyn Dodgers, the Chicago Cardinals, the Chicago Bears pick sixth. Uh, the Green Bay Packers had seventh pick, the seventh round pick, the Detroit Lions, and then the New York Giants were last. Um, and what's really crazy about this draft, there were four Hall of Famers taken in the 1936 draft. Guess what? I'm not going to name the players, but here's what's ironic. The three teams that I named outside of the Packers, two of the Hall of Famers belonged to the Chicago Bears. One belonged to the New York Giants. And then the last one belonged to the Washington football team, then Boston. I mean, you almost can't win for losing, can you? <laughs> they still could not get. Man, and their first pick decided they didn't want to play. They didn't want to play for them at all. It, that, that's crazy, isn't it? So, you know, as far as this went, you had nine rounds inverse or order. Um, it was about word of mouth and newspapers, how they got the names in the first place. And they picked some of the best players. Only 24 of them stayed after that, that draft was, you know, official and in the books. And as far as how things turned out for the Philadelphia Eagles in the end, well, I told you how bad that they were, right? I told you how they were bad when they had their first, what, three years with their first owner and then when Burt Bell was coaching them. They were terrible. Well, after Burt Bell purchased that majority of the team, of course, he was the head coach himself from 36 to 40, but the Eagles didn't enjoy a winning season until 1943. And... Eventually, they went to their first three championships in 1947, 48, and 49. And in those last two years, they actually won it all in 1948 and 1949. The last two years of, ironically, the AAFC. Um, and then as far as Burt Bell is concerned, um, I mean, the man, he did a lot of great things. And this really isn't all about him, but his thing with the draft, him proposing the draft and helping to implement the NFL draft and them taking that idea. Um, well, sadly enough and ironically enough, one of those coaches, we talked about his name last week, the San Francisco 49ers coach in the AAFC, the second best team outside of the Cleveland Browns was Buck Shaw. Ironically, he was the Eagles head coach in 58, uh, 59, and 60. In 1960, he was the coach of the year when the Eagles finished 10 and 2 and they were the NFL champs. October of 1959, his second year as coach, they won a game uh, and they were polishing off the Pittsburgh Steelers. Ironically, the other team that Burt Bell owned at one time before becoming, you know, the commissioner. Well, uh, there was a touchdown pass to receiver Tommy McDonald. Uh, they went up 28 to 17 on Pittsburgh. And during that touchdown, that's when Burt Bell had uh, turned out to be a fatal heart attack during that play. I read where his doctor was telling him, look, you probably need to stay away from football games. And he basically said, uh, not going to happen, Doc, because the excitement apparently got him a little bit too overjoyed. Apparently during that game, which he was the commissioner attending the game at Franklin Field, he had a heart attack that day during that play. The game was what... It was only two minutes left to go in the game. And that, that was it. He, he died in a local hospital right after that. 
I mean, he, he was a he was a great innovator um, and idea man and was a really good commissioner who was only trying to protect his investment. Uh, his idea of revenue sharing, uh, sudden death overtime, which the year before in 1958 helped. This was in 1947 that he actually implemented it. In 1958, it was that that decision that had the Colts and the Giants in overtime and that televised championship game is what put the NFL on the map officially. And they call it the merger with the AAFC. It was more so, all right, you guys are out here. We'll take three teams on the way out the door. So, but going all the way back to that first NFL draft in 1936, it was all done without film, studying, no scouting, no combine, nor pro days. Those things did not exist. So the next question to be answered next week is how did we get there? That's it. That's it. References. Thanks to ProFootballHallOfFame.com. Also, another website I found, I'll just call the name of it, Pennsylvania Center for the Book. All right, that's in Pennsylvania. Burt Bell, that was the article that I read, a special on him. Also, two books, America's Game, the NFL at 100, you already know, by Jerry Rice and Randy O. Williams. Another book, On the Clock, the story of the NFL draft, co-written by Barry Wilner and Ken Rappaport. And also, I went to YouTube, NFL Network's Kyle Brandt. Very good stuff, by the way. I love those videos that they put together. The NFL Explained. This one, the evolution of the NFL draft. This has been the Behind the Mic Podcast, presented by Billy Up Sports and the Billy Up Sports Podcast Network. I am your host, Michael Neal Jr. I've been your host. Uh, BillyUpSports.com. Click on it, read the articles, listen to the shows on Spreaker, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, YouTube. Tell all your friends and family about this show or I will find your house out. Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.